Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to Wellness Lehigh Valley. I am your host, Sally Hanlon. Wellness is important to a balanced lifestyle, and more and more, we as humanity are figuring out how certain elements can lead to positive results. From mental health to the environment, including all things that can affect your wellness, I am happy to invite you into the conversations on ways to improve or think differently about wellness here in the Lehigh Valley. And as always, listeners, I I try to bring you something a little bit different. And so this evening, I hope that you will just stay tuned through the breaks because I have an exciting show and guest. We hear a lot these days about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, supporting efforts by employers for employees as well as for customers. There is a special aspect of DEI that this show is focusing on tonight that is seldom shown as a part of DEI, our veteran community. According to the Department of Defense, between 170 and 240,000 people join the military each year in active and reserve components. The Department of Veteran Affairs in 2018 said approximately 200,000 veterans transitioned to their new roles as civilians. For listeners like me that may not be in the service or have family in the service, I would like to ask you to give some thought to the following information that I'm going to be providing to you. And this information comes from the importance of veterans' community health from the Healthcare Access Maryland. When individuals leave home to attend basic training, they are asked to strip elements of their individuality. In exchange, they are issued pay, uniforms, and a new community. Within this new community, service members learn the importance of rank, leadership traits, and the benefits of working as a team. This new community provides a sense of belonging and purpose. This grows as service members progress in their military careers. When service members arrive at their first duty station, they become part of a new community where they will work, live, exercise, and in some cases, leave their loved ones and deploy together. They will also have their medical needs met and are given clear instructions on how to access assistance. As service members accumulate years of service and attain higher rank, their stature within the communities becomes more significant. Throughout each stage of their career, service members have connections with mentors who help them cope with career progression, medical needs, leadership challenges, family life, and many other issues, both professionally and personal. Upon leaving active duty, many veterans look to the VA to provide the physical and behavioral health resources that they were previously provided while in the military. Unfortunately, community health resources are not a part of the VA's list of services. Community health refers to the veteran's ability to find a new community, develop healthy relationships, and adjust to the culture. The new challenge for veterans becomes finding that same sense of belonging and purpose that was part of their military community. So for tonight's show, I've sort of dubbed this, It Takes a Village, Community Health Includes Veteran Support. And my guest this evening is a retired Army veteran. I'm going to say for one time here, Sergeant Mark Bayless. And he has been a part of the Lehigh Valley community for quite a while. But I would like to ask him to give you a little bit of his background, both military and what he's been doing in our community as well as our state. 
Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Good. I guess you want me to talk now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. please share. Be, you know, be, be. I, uh, I joined the Army the day they swore Ronald Reagan and his president dropped out of college thinking we were going to, to get our hostages back from the Iran em- embassy. And uh, needless to say, the world knows they released them, and I, I joined for nothing. But I had a good time. I found a niche that was good for me, some, some good mentors, and uh, got to travel the world and do some exciting things. I spent most of my time in the special ops community and uh, deployed in the drug war and the war on terror and got to see some things that, that drive home how important it is to have the freedoms we have here at home. And, uh, and what we take and, for um, granted um, yeah, no too doubt. much. Yeah, no doubt. But it's, uh, it's one way you can tell the quality of a country is, is who's trying to get out of the borders and who's trying to get in. And everybody's trying to get in here, obviously, right? Right. So I'm glad to be here. I had a good time. But when I, I, got, I broke my back on a raid in Kuse's chief of staff's house in, uh, in Iraq in 2003. And ultimately, it led to me being medically retired. And when I got out, I was uh, scrambling a little bit to uh, figure out the path to go to get things straightened out. It's a... Uh, I heard that somebody in the VA once called it the ungoverned space between when you go from the service providing your health care to the VA. And that's a complicated place for the for the troops to be in and when they get out. And uh, once you get in, that health care is good. The, uh, you know, you have professional people given, given quality medicine. But in that gap, it can be a little lumpy finding your community, as you called it. Right. So I learned some things. And, and with what I learned, I started uh, helping vets when I heard they were having similar problems. So, Mark, when you left in 20... 20- 2007, right? Yep. Yeah, 2007. 2007. Were you from Lehigh Valley originally? Did you come back? Was this a new territory? I I wasn't. My ex-wife had brought my son to Center Valley, and I was like, well, I guess now that I'm a civilian, I probably ought to go be a dad again, and uh, found a little bit of land in Monroe County and built a house that was on my bucket list to build my own house. And, I, you know, I was going back and forth to the VA hospital all the time and listening to the other vets in the rooms and as I, as I uh, the waiting rooms, that is. And uh, as I figured things out for myself, I started uh, offering advice to the other vets that were dealing with similar issues. Hey, you know, this is how I kind of worked through it. And before I knew it, some people were showing up at my door with homeless vets. Hey, can you help Bob? Oh, boy. What does he want me to do for Bob? And uh, because it wasn't like I was somebody doing that. I mean— You didn't have an organization behind. It was just you. it was just me trying to be a good Samaritan and offering advice and helping where I could. Okay. And that led me to start going into homeless camps to talk to Bob and then Bob's friends. And in uh, 2013, I guess it was, I was talking to to a then-politician, now a civilian, about, hey, there's this thing going on. And uh, with, you know, people in tent camps in the woods along the river and— stacked up under the bridges and he didn't believe me so we uh i took him and a, a now state senator and the former ceo of pocono medical center on a tour with some of the homeless vets in the in the bus and uh at the end they looked at me and said oh this is not going on in our county you tell us what you need to fix it and uh much to their their applause they helped us get some of the casino money to buy an old hotel and turn it into a bed and breakfast for veterans, and things have grown. We now do uh, homeless veteran outreach formally in East and Bethlehem, Allentown, East Stroudsburg, Lansford, Lehighton, uh, Hazleton, and Wilkes-Barre regularly. And uh, this weekend we'll be in Lackawanna County, too, up outside of Scranton. Uh, we have teammates that were doing it in New Jersey until COVID hit. Uh, we just started building the team again in New Jersey, so I'm sure we'll be in Trenton, Mount Holly, and Camden again soon. Our team in Ohio is still going strong in Newark and Zanesville. And uh, we just had uh, some teammates 
startup just outside of Pittsburgh doing the homeless outreach thing there as well. And uh, we went from uh, a Good Samaritan in 2008 and nine, offering, you know, taking some canned goods and some firewood to people in a tent and then offering those veterans connectivity to people that had uh, legitimate resources to, uh, to I think we, we helped north of 2,000 veterans in 2022. It's been a, wow. it's been a thing. And we worked with doctors to build a, a veteran input-driven uh, social reintegration programs and, and how to work through trauma-aware issues so that we could help them uh, mitigate the effects of the emotional scars of war. And our newest step is we're getting Cam Trexler to make a a more hard-hitting impact on uh, veteran suicide. If uh, you want me to wait on that, I will, but we could talk about that now as well. But, well, uh, well, let's hold on that one. Let's talk about a little bit. I mean, you've, you've covered a lot of territory, but I also want the listeners to know that you're an advocate on state level as well with a bunch of yeah. boards and commissions. And yeah, so uh, you're out there not only doing this local uh, yeah, support, but you're yeah. in the state. I was, I was appointed by Governor Wolf to the State Veterans Commission, and the State Veterans Commission made me the chairman of the uh, Veterans Health Benefits Committee. And then I was uh, appointed by Governor Wolf again to represent the State Veterans Commission to the uh, Long-Term Care Council. And I'm on the board of the Regional uh, Suicide Prevention Coalition as a veterans representative. And I sit with the committee, the veterans subcommittee of that coalition, obviously. And, so you have uh, a lot of free time, huh? None. <laughs> none. None. <laughs> Well, but, you know, I find it very interesting because we have a lot of organizations here in the Valley that basically are somewhat positioned to help veterans, but it doesn't seem like there's a a link of all of them. You're covering a lot of territory yeah, with your support. Yeah, because the integration support. is tough. The integration is tough. The uh, organizations, rightfully so, want to do what they do, right? Right. That's and if, their and mission. When, when there's overlap, it's hard to blur the lines where there's room for everybody and, and people are spread out and have their offices and and uh, it's tough. I, I got a, I was talking with some people about trying to get some, building a grant, uh, a formal, concentrated, focused effort of grant submissions. Okay. Uh, we, do, we do almost all our fundraising on grassroots stuff, motorcycle rides, raffles, Patriots balls, golf tournament kind of stuff. And uh, people look at me funny often, how do you, how do you run all that with that? Mm-hmm. Well, people care enough to come, and then it adds up. But uh, what we really need, if we're going to make the next growth step and have a bigger impact, uh, we're going to need a more s- substantial funding stream. And the person I was talking to that manages some of those things in this part of Pennsylvania, one of the people that do, uh, said, you know, you're going to have to start making some coalition stuff and uh, talking about some of the other groups that they work with and uh, said, you know, there's this other group up here that's, uh, they've kind of got a shell and they're trying to figure out how to make the programs to fill it and get people to fund them to develop the programs to fill it. And you've got all these great programs and you're trying to put a shell around it so you can make them bigger. And you guys all need to start working together. The funders are getting fatigued. Well, <laughs> yeah, getting, it's tough. And, and uh, it is. And understandably so. And I know which group he was talking about. He's, he's talking about the guy that chairs it. It's a great guy. He's got some some wonderful women on his staff. I mean, you can't help but like him. I'm, I'm not going to mention any names, but mm-hmm. you can't help but like him. But we're so far apart. How would we? I couldn't commute to him every day, and I don't think he or his people are commuting to me every day. I mean, it's it's uh, the logistics of it is 
probably more the problem than the people. Does that make sense? It does, and but yet we're in an age of technology, so some yeah. of that stuff can be overcome, but not all of it. No, you, you do no. need to have the physical presence. Yes, you do. In some yeah. of the areas, and one of the things that I'm just amazed at is, is you know, you're 11 years old now. Now, listeners, the full title is Valor Clinic Foundation. Yes, okay, it is. if you, so, if you go on the website and look for Valor Clinic Foundation, you'll find Mark, and you'll find information about his services that we're going to be describing a little bit later. But it's important, just like years ago, United Way, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of pulled everything together. It's going to be that for the veterans, too, because you said, you know, fatigue with donors is something Mm -hmm. that's realistic. Yes, it is. In this day and uh, age. And it is a delicate balance for the pull together Mm -hmm. because as soon as you start pulling together and put the headquarters to pull together, all your administrative costs go up. And the corporate donors are probably fatigued from all the different sub-organizations. And the user-level grassroots donors are all fatigued by what they perceive as waste. They want their money to go to the cause. And it is a tough balancing act navigating the current charity fundraising environment. It's a tough thing. And and we've made most of our focus on keeping the uh, grassroots people happy. You know, you give us a dollar, 90 cents on the dollar goes to the cause and 10% goes goes as an average our best year we did 93 cents on the dollar went to the cause and our worst year was a covid year 2021 was 84 cents okay but uh that's still that's still darn good from everything that (laughs) i've been tracking (laughs) and listeners we're going to take a short break right now you're listening to wellness lehigh valley with our guest mark bayless who is founder Mm. and ceo of valor clinic foundation a nonprofit organization founded to provide veterans with assistance, accessing benefits, securing shelter, and providing long-lasting post-traumatic stress resource and relief. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610-694-8100, extension 4, or wdiy.org. We couldn't be here without you. Welcome back to our Wellness Lehigh Valley Discourse Program. We are talking about the importance of our community support for our Lehigh Valley and Greater Lehigh Valley veterans with our guest, former Sergeant Mark Bayless, who's founder and CEO of Valor Clinic Foundation. And before we went to break, we were talking about the variety of organizations that seem to be out there but aren't necessarily connected nor meeting the exact Mm -hmm. needs of those that are transitioning back to a new type of community. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to get everybody on the same page. You know, they all have their own ideas and they're they're tracking a lot of good people with a lot of good ideas and it's it's just tough to get everybody on the same page. (laughs) It's uh, really tough. We've noticed that there's a lot of relationship social problems for veterans when they get out. And we do a lot to help readjust those as parts of our homeless program and parts of our emotional scars of war management program. It's a remarkably important part. And I I believe you've generally referred to it as community health. Mm -hmm. The community health aspects can prevent homelessness, can prevent veteran suicide. And there's really not a lot of people dealing with that issue. The social workers do case management, but they're usually specific tasks. Get them the food stamps. Get them the... Getting the food, uh, put the pantries. Uh, yeah, get them, get them con- connecting, which, okay. was, which is all important to do. Right. Um, I, I take nothing from that. 
but it's not the same thing as uh, helping them understand the social conflict points between military behavior norms and civilian behavior norms. And there are plenty. Well, and, uh, and just in the intro, when, when I did the research for this, I really never thought about the fact that one is sort of stripped of their individuality when they go into the service and then they're sort of given the community. So when you come out, even if you've only been in there a few years, you're out of practice with how to oh, function in the oh, outside community. And, and it's worse than that <laughs> because they instill new levels of heightened sense of responsibility, we'll call it. Right? You're responsible for everybody around you. Okay. You come to the outside, and how long are you going to put up with me being responsible for your behavior and telling you how to behave? It's not going to work well. Yeah. It's not going to work well. And the vets often think, I'm squaring them away. They're a mess. I was fixing them. And the civilians are like, that guy's crazy. He's in my business all the time. <laughs> Get him fired, right? And, uh, and it's really important when you're in the service. Yeah, you, you've got you, to follow. Well, and it's, and it's less that you have to follow as because you build a team around even more so than, than I think many civilians appreciate, but it's all individuals are dependent on each other, right? So if you make a mistake, I could be the one that dies. Right. And so if I see you making a mistake, even if you're the general and I'm a private, I'm supposed to go to you and go, hey, you were overlooking, yada, yada, right? Okay. You come out here and go to work and tell your co start getting in your coworkers' business. See how long, see how well they're going to like you. Yeah. What if you hire me and now I'm getting in his business all the time? Right. He's going to want me out of here. That guy's a pain in the neck, right? One example. They call it the on-the-spot correction in the military. And I see him look on your face. is like, what the hell is he talking yeah, about? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a new concept for, yeah, for us non-military folks. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Valor Clinic Foundation and, mm -hmm. you know, your structure. I, I looked on the, the website, and it says none of the executives are paid. You have one nope. paid employee that's a house manager. You, as you mentioned previously, you try and have really low overhead, but yet yes, you're everywhere. Share your structure and, and our, our your Our structure scope. is almost all volunteers. Okay. And uh, two people get a paycheck at all. The entire payroll is $4,000 a month, and they're both paid as contractors. So they get 1099s, not uh, – Employee benefit types. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have to, if they're putting money into Social Security, they're doing it on their own. If right. they're putting into right. workers' comp, they're doing it on their own. And they know they're coming in. It's people that want to be by the cause. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, it's greater motive. the issue than yeah. just the, getting uh, paid. Yeah, you got to be wanting to make the outcomes. And uh, and our people, the teams, I, every time I go to an event, I see new people that have never been there before. And it's really encouraging to see. Yeah, I'm proud of their outcomes. They do a, they do a great job. Uh, we have some team leaders that run entire areas where, where uh, you know, I'm the founder. I, I should be supervising them more, but I, I don't need to micromanage them. I, I say thank you a lot, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, uh, particularly uh, some of our food, the people managing our food distribution. Since uh, 2012, more than a million meals out to veterans and their families. That's a lot of food. That is a lot and, of food. Uh, and there's kind of like a, a three-headed team down there of, of Joanne, Susan, and Norm kind of running that part. And they... You don't need to micromanage them. They're out there. And all the food's donated. Second Harvest isn't bringing us a truckload. And we're not going down the grocery store and buying a truckload. People show up and donate. Uh, yeah. They hmm. often see on our website the, the unique needs of the homeless or uh, or the unique needs when we're, we're providing a veteran's families a holiday meals, which is a suicide trigger point, is a Holidays. part of what drove that. Yeah. And uh, it's a mountain of food. And uh I'm proud of their efforts. Well, it sounds like in, in the 11 years that you've been in existence, I mean, you've had a lot of 
strong impact, positive impact on those that have come through your organization. I mean, um, the website says that you've had a 95% success rate breaking the cycle of chronic homelessness among yeah. veterans at Paul's yeah. House. Is that Paul's House, the hotel that you were yep. referencing? Yep. Okay. We have, uh, we have five boomerangs, I call them. We've, I think it's 135 or 140 vets now at this point have rotated through the cycle of our of our process to get them get them back on their feet. We, it's kind of a three-pronged process. We work with them to get their health managed. That becomes the biggest obstacle to employment, it seems, in our sure. experience. There are probably studies that say different, but our experience in the homeless, the health problems become the big glaring problem. Uh, make sure they have an income. Sometimes that has to be supportive income from state or government programs. And the uh, third one is that they have a life plan, so they get purpose and direction and uh, and have, have some focus when they go out so they don't get beat around in the chaos of life and, and lose track of what they're trying to do. And uh, the combination has, has been remarkably successful for them. Uh, and, and was this a combination that you and your group just sort of evolved based kinda, on what you know? It, kinda, it, it came from learning experiences working with the vets. And, okay. uh, because initially, well, what programs do you need? We, didn't, we weren't even thinking about making programs. We were trying to help the vets deal with a crisis moment and over time working with them, we got these learning lessons about, oh, <laughs> oh, that's a problem. How do we yeah, fix, what yeah. do you do about that, right? And right. Uh, over a number of years from, you know, almost six years worth of lessons before we opened our homeless shelter, we incorporated the lessons into our programs at the homeless shelter. And we worked with a doctor to build what I'd never heard your definition of community health before, what arguably would be a community health process to make sure the veterans are, have good community health. But we have a, what we call a retreat program where we do intense counseling and education on how to get along with combination of uh, adjust your social skills so you can, you're not creating conflict with civilians and uh, do some things to tone down the emotional scars of war, which makes those behaviors more caustic, we'll call it, mm-hmm. and uh, develop a plan for the future to get your purpose and direction back in life. And it, it works remarkably well for the ones that go through it. And uh, I call her the genius hippie lady. But if you ever read any books from Dr. LaFaire, part of her uh, her famous part of her books is Helping Women Break Through Glass Ceiling. Ceilings, okay. Yep. Sylvia LaFaire is her name. Don't Bring It to Work uh, has a lot of the insights that we use in our program. We adapt it, obviously, because sure. we're not talking about them taking it to work. We're talking about them taking it out into life. Right. And uh, we have them uh, build a life plan with the uh, with a book, Your Your Best Year Ever, is mm-hmm. the title of the book. I don't know that author. I'll leave his name out. It's a green cover. And we help them uh, in with relationships. We use a guide called The Four Agreements. Uh, oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yep. Whatever relationship you're in. If it's having conflict, you're half the problem. Control your half, we tell them. And you can use those four tools to manage your half. Don't take it personal. Do your best. The uh, Don't make assumptions. And be impeccable with your word are, are very important things to do. Yep. It's better to look at somebody and tell them the truth about something you don't like than it is to, to, gloss to, over to it either not, gloss yeah. over it or bite your tongue. And uh, if you do it, you can do it diplomatically and not create conflict. Hey, look, I'm not really big on that. Maybe we could do something else or whatever that thing is. Yeah. And uh, some some people skills, right? Communication you, skills and, yeah, and diffusing things. Yeah. Let's 
turn, we've got about five minutes left in our conversation, mm-hmm. and I want to get to what I think is an amazing achievement of Valor Clinic Foundation, and that is taking over the ownership of Camp Trexler, which is the oh, Mincy Trails Council, Boy Scout Council. Now, apparently, from what I've read, you have used and leased land from the council in the past. Is that well, correct? We've, we've, our food security stuff in their dining halls, we've, we've stored a lot of food in their dining halls when they're out of scout cycle, okay. a lot of it. And I was really worried we'd lose those because I was like, oh, how do I fit all, all these food programs in the building I have because they don't fit, right? Mm. But also, we're going to work to prevent veteran suicide there. The four main uh, target areas where you can do upstream interventions to prevent by creating better community health for the veterans, Mm -hmm. oddly enough. I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. But the biggest one, almost half of all suicides is our relationship collapse problems. The next biggest one is uh, long-term physical health problems. The next one is addiction. And the last one is long-term employment financial problems. Uh, We've been doing well with the relationship problem for years. We've been doing okay with the physical health problems, getting them up and moving. We do fly fishing and archery hunting with them as as methods for that. In the outdoors, yay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We have not done addiction. We've looked to make partners. Uh, maybe one of them is on your list, and now uh, that became problematic. And the, the one we don't do much of, we do, we do just a tiny bit, but not enough with uh, the unemployment and the long-term financial problems, right? Okay, so, so Cam career Trexler, counseling, yeah. Well, we're going to go even further than that. Okay. Yeah, Cam Trexler opens us up to be able to do all four of those. And this we, will be a year-round versus will be a, a year, seasonal camp. Yeah, it'll be okay. a year-round. So we're going to continue to do our relationship piece the way we do it with larger numbers of veterans. Uh, we're going to continue to do our physical health problems, but instead of just archery and fly fishing, we're going to add hiking and mountain biking and probably some form of uh, swimming, uh, aqua therapy, yeah. something. Okay. We're not, we haven't worked out the details, but we now have this great big Boy Scout swimming pool. What are we, how are we going to incorporate it? We'll still study further. Uh, we're in preliminary discussions with a substance abuse counselor, physician's assistant to bring those programs out there. And uh, we're going to do vocational training, training veterans to do digital communications installation, job skills training, and solar panel installation job training to give uh, current in-demand job skills. We have a partnership with a company that's been uh, doing the training for some time, and they've been using some of our vets as their students and doing test equipment installations on some of our facilities. And now we're going to co-locate. We're going to do a school together. Uh, one of the challenges they faced is convincing employers that the veterans will integrate well to their society. And so we're a match, their their corporate environment. So we're a match made in heaven because we're going to teach them the social integration skills. They're going to teach them the technical skills. And it should be the perfect wow. team. We're going to get all four rocking, and, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're just about ready to wind up. Time has gone quickly, and and thank you so much for for sharing everything. And I just want our listeners to know, again, in in, um, researching, and I think, Mark, you mentioned this, in the years that you've been there, you said you had over 2,000 veterans, correct? Uh, over the, the course of the years, I believe in 2022, we probably reached 2,000. In 2022 alone? Well, yeah, with combined programs in, in all the cities and Okay, and you've had zero suicides. We've had zero suicides. That's fantastic. Our Veterans Unstoppable program is what we talk about when we do that, or what you call community health reintegration for them. Right, right. Help tone down the emotional scars, help uh, learn to get along better with civilians, get some purpose direction back in your life. 
that program, we've had a couple 400 vets go through it, and they're they're all still alive or died of other causes like cancer or something. Or some other health related. Yeah. Yeah. So if a person listening tonight would like to learn more about Valor Clinic Foundation or would like to donate or would like to volunteer, what should they do, Mark? Uh, probably the easiest way is to go to our website at www.valorclinic.org. Or our Facebook page. I'm the person that answers the messages from the Facebook page. There's nobody else that does it. So <laughs> it's part of your CEO yeah, job. Yeah, it's part of my CEO <laughs> job. Uh, keyword Valor Clinic on uh, Facebook, and we're pretty easy to find. And uh, send us a message there. I can. I'll be the one that responds. Sometimes when I'm when I get too busy, I'm a, it'll take me a day or so to reply, but I'll reply to you. Okay, and I, I mean, now we all know what your schedule is with everything that you're doing. Uh, so I thank you, Mark Bayless, for taking the time tonight to be with us and to share with our listeners everything that you're doing with Valor Clinic Foundation and and the wonderful next stage that you're about yeah, to enter yeah. with the expansion of your program into this year round with Camp Trexler. So thanks. Thank thanks. you for having me. It was an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah. And listeners, I want to thank you for listening to this conversation. I am Sally Hanlon, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. Tune in next Thursday for more Lehigh Valley Discourse, and we'll see you next time on Wellness Lehigh Valley. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.